Now, Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Shara McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, located on the South Shore, and I have been working as a full-time realtor and sales and marketing consultant for home buyers and home sellers for the past 15 years. My unique approach to assisting my clients to the next chapter of their lives is driven by being a team player and by offering them continuous training, education, advising, and mentoring. Every week, I will be providing you with real estate topics ranging from home buyer and home seller advice, legal matters, insurance binders, flood insurance concerns, home inspection questions, environmental worries like radon, lead paint, and mold, mortgages and loan programs, staging tips and ideas, real estate contracts, market trends, home values, and more. It's a talk radio show, and you can follow along online. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. If you missed any of our shows, you can listen on my podcast at talkrealestateradio.com. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me regarding your home sale or your home purchase, you can connect with me anytime at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all my South Shore neighbors. This is Sharon McNamara. You are, of course, listening to Talk Real Estate here on WATV. Uh, for all our WATV listeners, and we have all our social media fans that are um, out there on Facebook and following us on all of our pages. In-house with me this evening, I have Mary Baker. Hi. Hello. How are you? We have Miss Melissa Wallace, who is getting us all organized. Hello, hello. Hello. And we have Dustin Hughes coming to us from the south end of Boston. Hello, Dustin. Hello. How are you guys? I am doing fantastic. And we have a special guest tonight that I'm very excited uh, to share with all of our listeners. I know we've had him on the show previously and we've had... Like you know, it's been a while. Though. It has been a while because we've had other people from his office that have been in. So uh, we have one of the best attorneys um, I would say the best, but if other attorneys are listening and then we have a transaction and like we have the they, seller they and they have a, the they buyer. Yeah. They so <laughs> we have Mark Styles <laughs> from Styles. I, I always want to say Styles Law, but on your door, it says Style and Associates. That's the, uh, that's the old branding. So it is Styles Law. Our new branding is Styles Law. But I want to thank you for having me once again. I think I'm the Alec Baldwin of your show, like Alec Baldwin <laughs> of Saturday Night Live. As many times as he's been on, as many times as <laughs> thanks. Ben, appreciate the drum roll. Got you covered, buddy. Yeah. Um, well, we're excited to have you. And um, again, we've had Emmanuel Ebot uh, on with us. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually been on McNamara Money uh, with Ben Cody, who's from his Cody 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 um, from his office, uh, talking about uh, some fun things. And um, tonight we're going to be talking about 1031 exchanges. I'm really, I actually, these are some of the, our favorite um, sort of shows are the ones that we don't know a yeah. lot about, you know, so. It's an opportunity for us to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So we're Let's all heirs. I, I just have one question in particular, but I will wait. I will wait my turn. I promise Dustin, you can take the. Um, take the controls here and make sure that you have everything in control. Let's like trying to control us. <laughs> it's tough. 
that's a big feat. <laughs> yes. And actually, Mark, um, Dustin, I hope you don't mind if I do this introduction right here, just because you everybody doesn't know probably, but we can see each other on Zoom. So it's a good opportunity for me to introduce Dustin. Have you met Mark Stiles in person before? I know you've met Emmanuel. Yeah, no, I think so far the extent of my relationship with Stiles Law is Emmanuel and mm -hmm. Denise. And Denise, man, the best team, I think. Well, this is the guy we, that cleaned him. I know, I know you want to uh, hedge your bet about the rest of the community, but I maybe for better attorneys out there, but there's no better team out there than what we have at Styles Law, no doubt about it. You've named off just a very, you've scratched the surface on the team that we have right here in Marshfield, yep. serving our south shore and massachusetts friends they are awesome i tell you emmanuel and denise are just they're like a power they're team like the land rover of real estate offices <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what never mind I'm a, range rover range rover land rover mercedes i'm putting you yeah. up there yeah maybe you'll become a tesla one day yeah. we are we we like to think of ourselves as the tesla when it comes to the technology and the efficiencies and the five-star customer service that we deliver. So I, I'll take the Tesla one any day. And thanks to, thanks to Elon, I made a little bit of money on his stock this year too. Oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Well, Mark, why don't we know you so well, but why don't you tell all of our WATD listeners, I know you also have a show on WATD um, that you host as well, or co-host. Uh, why don't you tell all of our listeners here on Tuesday nights uh, who you are, what your office is all about and what you do for all of our clients. Awesome. Thank you, Sharon. Um, so Styles Law just celebrated its 25th anniversary wow, uh, of being in business. Yep. I graduated law school at 12 years old. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, and what we do is we have our main uh, headquarters here in Marshfield where our, our team who is not working remote um, work. Uh, but our headquarters are here in Marshfield, right on 139. And what we do is we focus on life-changing events. So buying and selling real estate is a, is a major life-changer. Um, we handle estate planning. We handle business formation and, and counselings for those that entrepreneurs out there looking to start a business. And we also um, handle mediation. We have a mediation practice. So before litigation gets too far down the road, we can find that middle for you and save a tremendous amount of money in court costs and legal fees and, and the such for those that realize we can come to a reasonable resolution. Let's figure out how to do that, get some help, guide us to the middle as opposed to let's drop the gloves mm -hmm. and let's fight this out and let's get served by constables and be deposed and go to court and wonder and worry and all that. So our main focus is um, proactive legal services, if you will, um, trying to keep you out of the way of having to be reactive and be served and defend yourself and do all of the things that hopefully would never be necessary if you acted more proactively. So those are the practices uh, that we choose to be in. We aren't fighters. We are preparing you to not have to fight. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I do love about your office too. And it's funny because I was, I heard your commercial one morning about being proactive instead of reactive. And I'm pretty sure that um, that was stolen from me. <laughs> so, um, but it is something that we say around here all the time. And it's probably because I do apologize to Emmanuel a lot. And I just say, all right, so I'm sort of fast forward thinking 
is this a possibility of maybe this scenario happening? And again, and I always say to them, I'm sorry to bother you with this. I'm just trying to be proactive. I don't want us to have to be reactive when yeah. we have a time crunch. So, um, and he's just so good at it. And one of my things I always say about him is Emmanuel, I actually referred him today and I said, he's like one pulse short of being flatlined and she's a nurse. So she totally got it. <laughs> uh, very kind. And I say, I always say to people, and that's a good thing. I want my attorney to be, you know, reserved and sort of calculated with his thoughts. Very much so. You know, yeah, when it, when it comes to real estate, a lot of people get very emotional. It's, mm -hmm. it's very personal. Um, and they dig into that primitive limbic reaction and get really emotional. And, and he's blessed. I mean, he, you know, I, you joke about one, one short of a flat line, but he's very calm and reserved under pressure. And I've watched it and I've witnessed it. And I'm very impressed by how he's able to keep emotion out of it and, and, and think of it from the perspective of what do, what do people really want? They want to close this. So how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And I asked him a couple of times in front of the rest of our attorneys to share, you know, how do you do it? Because, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that emotion and, mm -hmm. and uh, get swept away by it. And he says, I, I look around at the table, not now, now we're looking around at the Zooms, but yeah. <laughs> we, we look around at the table and he, and he looks and he says, is anyone going to die right now? Mm. And he realizes that that's not the case and it calms him so that he's able to bring peace to the table. Yeah. Oh, I and love he, that. I'm going to repeat that to myself. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone going to die right here? Yeah. Me, my yeah. anxiety is like pushing through my chest. But <laughs> nobody's going to die. So let's, <laughs> let's start there and work back from there. Yeah. Nice. You know? yeah. And I have to tell you is, and again, this is not just about Emmanuel, but you know, my team works with that team. So you're as wonderful or I wouldn't have been with you all these years myself, you know. Mm -hmm. um, or you wouldn't of, be here right now. Exactly. You wouldn't <laughs> be here right now. Exactly. But one of the things that I do love about him and the personality of what he brings to the table for us is you know, the way our team is sort of put together, you know, I may be working with an older client or a boomer client or in Mary may be working with somebody who's younger. You know, he's reviewed leases for the girls and yeah. and he's he can he can really fit himself into whatever demographic we're working with. And that's that's sometimes hard to do because you know what I mean? Sometimes like you, with the younger people, you want to look like the cool guy. Yeah. And he is, <laughs> you know, he's so much cooler than people actually think he is until they meet him. And they're like, wow. Yeah, you are. You're so cool. awesome. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I can't um, wait to share this with him. <laughs> okay, so we just gave Emmanuel like a nice video testimonial. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Feel free to share that. We'll, we'll let you know how to use that. Um, we but, will. So tonight we're going to be talking about 1031 exchanges. And um, if you have any questions for us, we are live on WATD tonight. So you can get in touch with Ben and he will sort of sneak you through to our in-home studio here in Pembroke Center. And the phone number is 781-837-4900. Um, so um, Dustin, do you want to start with, you know, the, the main ideas and thoughts here for Mark? Yeah, no, certainly. And it's, you know, anytime we have a specialist on, it's always best to start with the basics. And sometimes that's even for us, sometimes it's not, but we're going to cover everything here. And so we're talking about 1031 exchanges. Mark, can you tell us what it is and the reason why someone would pursue it? Yeah, so it's um, it's thrown around a lot. And I think a lot of people don't really truly understand what it is and what it means and why it exists. And what 1031 
actually stands for. It's it's an IR, it's the uh, Internal Revenue Code. It's a section within the Internal Revenue Code. So it's a tax provision in our federal um, document for the IRS. And what it says is you can trade, in essence, exchange, right? It's a 1031 exchange. You can exchange one real estate property for another so long as you in essence, buy something nicer, right? So it's it has to be equivalent in price or more. So what most people use a 1031 exchange for is if they're a real estate investor and maybe they own a two family, maybe they first bought it and they lived in half and rented out half as a strategy to mitigate the monthly obligation. And then they move out, they find another home, a single family home somewhere and then they turn that two family and they rent both of them. And then they continue to rent those as a small business, right? Because these landlords are small business owners. They have customers, these tenants who are paying them rent and then they pay down their mortgage with it. It's really good strategy, great small business. Ask any landlord who's been in the game for more than 10 years and they'll tell you it's an amazing way to, to create wealth. Another way to do that is to then take that two family and maximize it, right? So you have a two family, you've been renting it to two different uh, tenants and you decide you want a four family or a six family, or there's a deal on a 12 unit apartment or a, a mixed use uh, asset downtown or a strip mall or some other real estate asset. You can actually take the sale proceeds of that first asset, that two family that has been so good to you, you lived in it and then you rented it out and you've paid down the mortgage and you have this massive amount of cash, but you would be taxed on that in most circumstances at the point you sell it. Mm -hmm. And when you sell it, you would be asked to pay a significant amount of taxes. But if you wanna stay in the real estate game and you wanna transfer, exchange, trade up, if you will, you can buy another real estate asset for the price or more than what you're selling. And you, in essence, get a tax-free loan from the government because where you would be required to pay the tax at the point of sale, you're actually deferring that payment. You're not getting rid of it. You're not forgiving it. The tax isn't going away, but you're kicking it down the street until you sell that next property. So in essence, you take that two family, you buy, let's say a six family, you use all of your proceeds without paying the tax due, which would be due upon that sale in any other situation, but you move all of it to the new property and you're able to build a bigger portfolio should you want to do that. And you can provide more housing stock so if you think about it, this is a true win-win-win. It's a win for the investor who wants to stay as a landlord. They enjoy this business. They enjoy having people in their homes and paying rent and providing housing and delivering a good product, a good service for these people. It's a win for the tenants, right? Because there's more available housing. And it's a win for the IRS because there's more available housing, right? This is a huge need in our country. And they're actually encouraging good landlords to stay in the game.
use our money, don't pay the tax on it yet, use this money, pay it back when you're ready, and when you're ready is when you sell. But you can continue to do that until you've created a, a very big real estate portfolio where you're serving a lot of needs for the government and for the citizens of the government. It's a great product. And I know that there are a lot of stipulations which we'll get into regarding how much time you have when you sell one before you have to purchase another one. Um, one of my questions is, um, does it have to be housing? I, I thought that one time I heard something like, I don't know, was somebody using something like with farm animals or something? No? It has to be real property. It has to be, it has to be real, real estate. So it doesn't have to be housing. You could certainly take that two family convert it to a four family, enjoy being a tenant, but then realize that there's an opportunity to buy industrial warehouses near the intersection of two uh, interstate highways so that you could be an Amazon distribution center. You could buy that. That's a piece of real estate. Um, And as long as it is real property, real estate, and it's at or above the, uh, the, the sale price, then if done correctly, and it's it's obviously very complicated, you need what's called a qualified intermediary to handle the money. So it's not the government doesn't trust you to take the proceeds from this, the sale of your property and then move them to another. There's a fiduciary who's in between the two transactions and controls all of it and does all of the proper filing to make sure that the IRS can see that the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. Where do you where do you get that person? Like I've never even heard about that person. Um, so QIs, right? Qualified intermediaries are, are um, they're usually they're in business to be qualified intermediaries. So you okay. could Google it, um, but most often they're either attorneys, yeah. accountants. Uh-huh. A tax attorney is a good one, yeah. um, but banks, some of the community banks have departments that do it. And uh, most of the title insurance companies have a department to do it. But, you know, you could ask us if anyone ever was looking to do one. We have great relationships with QIs. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dustin, I promised you I would let you handle this, but I have questions. No, no. <laughs> no that's yeah. so do I. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Um, so one of my questions is, if you have, let's just say you have a two family and it's in Massachusetts and you want to sell that two family, but you wanted to buy maybe another property, does it have to still be in Massachusetts or can you cross state lines? Well, we don't want you to leave Massachusetts, but if you do, you can. So these, can this that. is a, this is a, it's a federal guideline. So you have jurisdiction within the entire United States. You could buy in Florida. You could sell your investment in Massachusetts and buy an investment in Florida. The key is, is that it has to be for business or trade use. It has to be an investment. You can't sell your two family and then buy a second home or a beach house in Florida. What if you rent it? If you bought it for renting purposes. If it's an investment, then and the intent is to use it as an investment, then yeah, you can. But if your intent is to have that as your primary home or, or even a secondary home for that matter, it, it won't pass muster and, and they will find you and you <laughs> will pay the tax. Okay. So, I mean, that's really at the end of the day, that's what you would have to just do is pay the tax. But I mean, if you were really, I mean, it, you know, at the beginning stages of maybe getting a second home, I would say, I think a lot, of, I know a lot of people who have condos and we know a lot of 
this one um, agent that I'm thinking of, he has two condos down in Marco Island. I actually reached out to him recently and I know that, you know, it's used for rental, but he'll go down there himself for a week. So could you do it, like go down there a couple times a year? I, I certainly wouldn't go into it with that intention. Um, there are exceptions. It's very complicated, but you know, you could go down to make repairs. You could go down and, and manage the property, but, but the ratio of time that you spend versus rented, it's, it's, it's not intended for that. And when yeah. it's not intended for that, you're, you're just looking for problems with the IRS right. and we recommend not yeah. Finding <laughs> no, no one ever wants to get no. in trouble with the IRS. No. That is for sure. <laughs> no, the rule, the rules are the rules, and just yeah. play by the rules. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it could be one of those things for you know. At some point, you could maybe put it in an LLC, and then at some point, if you did want to make it your primary residence, you know what I mean. If just like if you're in a two family, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and you wanted to convert it to one or whatever, then you yep. could just buy it back from the LLC. You could, and if you think about it from the estate planning, financial planning perspective, you could certainly uh, do that, uh, but uh, uh, with the intent that it was going to be an investment property in the beginning. So you you start out with the intent, and there's unwritten case, you know, rules with case uh, decisions that, you know, the intent is to rent it for two years. So yeah, after you know three years of having a condo, you decide you want to spend time in it the tax would only be due should you sell that, right? Yeah. So say you go there, you use it, for, I mean, you uh, rent it out for three years and then you use it for three years and you go to sell it, then there's a much different uh, tax obligation than if you sold it as an investment, right? Because now you've used it as a primary residence, so there's an additional um, tax that's gonna be, be due. But I do wanna point out what we like to refer to as swap till you drop. So when you talk about you know, <laughs> McNamara money and, and uh, financial advice, you can actually continue to do these 1031 exchanges. You start with that two family where you lived in it, right? And you uh -huh. rented the other half and then it became a rental. It became a four, it became a six, 16. Then you had a 144 unit you know, property or you, know, you have a huge portfolio based on what you've done and you're kicking off enough income from that that you never have to sell those properties and then you die, you would actually pass those onto your heirs back to the stepped up in basis. So what you've kicked down the street for all those years would in fact go away upon your death. So there is a financial estate planning tool also associated with the 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm. Okay. And just so you know, like, I'm thinking of all these great ideas. Maybe I could do something like that. But uh, Mark, in case you don't know, uh, Dustin is uh, now the fiance of my daughter, Casey. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So they got engaged in October. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, maybe somebody with bigger plans to buy more and more and more can think about that, but I would just want to retire just start. myself. <laughs> start. start now. Yeah. Start now. Dustin, start buying real estate now. <laughs> Bye. Don't stop buying. Um, one of the other questions I had was in regard to, and then I promise I'm going to let everybody else have their, their turn to ask questions, in regard to the taxes that we're talking about and the impact of selling a commercial property or an investment property and then not buying something else, let's say, 
are those taxes different than if you were selling your primary residence? And is it that same equation of, you know, a single person versus a married person, any gain over 500? Or is it just, just tell me what it is. <laughs> just tell me, just give me the answer. So <laughs> let me, let me, uh, let me just uh, qualify it's small print. I am not a tax attorney. I am not a CPA. I am someone who's uh, seen and handled a number of real estate transactions along with 1031 exchanges. I've actually conducted a 1031 exchange for myself. Um, so speaking from experience, um, what I've noticed is that most investors don't realize the impact of the tax that they're about to pay when they sell their investment property. So if you're talking to somebody who is maybe in their 30s or 40s and they've had an investment property and they just say, you know what, I don't really like doing this anymore or I don't like this property. Well, they've probably already factored in the amount that they paid for the property mm -hmm. versus the amount that they're gonna sell it for. Net real estate commission, they think, well, you know, I heard tax uh, capital gains is around 25%, feds 20 plus another five to mass. So they do the math, but what they always forget is the depreciation. So over the course of time, from the point they bought the property, they more than likely have been depreciating the property at a relatively aggressive level that has to pay, you have to pay that back. You have to pay that depreciation back at a certain percentage. And what I've seen with people who come to us to sell it and I say, are you sure you, you know, you want to get out of the landlord business because, you know, I highly encourage you to talk to your accountant and figure out exactly how much your taxable obligation is going to be, because I bet it's more than what you think it's going to be. Have you heard about a 1031 exchange? Is it, a, is it really that you don't want to be a landlord or you don't want to be a landlord at this property? Because there are options for you to, to uh, you know, defer that tax if you want to continue to stay. And we encourage real estate professionals like yourselves to, to talk about that with people mm -hmm. who are looking to sell their properties because more often than not, they're not aware of how much tax obligation that they have mm -hmm. and that they're looking at. And it is very different than the primary residence. The primary residence in Massachusetts, again, we're only talking about Massachusetts when it comes to that. Um, but as long as you know, you're a married couple and you lived in that property two of the last five years, then there's a first $500,000 in gain is not taxable. Two fifty dollars if you're not a married person. Um, and, you know, as much appreciation as people are having, there's, you know, not many people have that level of appreciation when they're selling their house. Otherwise, they have some other capital expenditures that they can offset that with so that the tax very rarely is due when you're selling your primary residence. Very rarely, unless people have been in their home for a very long period of time or had a massive amount of appreciation for some unknown reason, um, would have to pay tax selling their primary residence. Everybody who's selling their you know, investment property is going to pay a mm -hmm. tax because it's not their primary residence. And you know, depending on how long they've had it will be based on what tax rate, right? If it's under a year, then it's their ordinary income, whatever they're taxed at. Um, and their income would be what would be due if they sold the property within a year, which is why people who flip properties tend to pay, you know, a lot of taxes on their, on their gains. So people after a year, they're paying the capital gains, the long-term capital gains. But what people never remember is they got to pay back the depreciation component to it. And it's always a huge sticker shock. So it, 
I try to teach the professional, the real estate professionals in our in our uh, continuing education classes to to talk about that up front so that you know <laughs> it's not that phone call after closing. Like, yeah. oh my God, I you know, <laughs> I had to pay money to sell this house at the end of the day. Or yeah, that's scary. I mean, that's honestly yeah. like I'm thinking about that right now. Yeah. It's like how you know, I think that that would be a good class or a good you know to have somebody on here to figure out how much taxes it would be when mm -hmm. you go to sell it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do have a question though. Um, so is there an opportunity within this where you could maybe purchase land and build something that could possibly be greater than what you sold? Yeah. So there, there's, there's, there's two other types of 1031 exchanges um, that are available and they're much more rare. So most people think of a 1031 exchange. They say, okay, I'm going to sell this property. I'm going to identify three properties that I would potentially want to buy. I have 45 days to do that. We, I know Sharon, you talked about timelines a little bit. I have 45 days to identify those three properties. And then I have the balance of six months to close on one of those three. So I pick three, I close on one. I have six months from the, from the point I sell to the point I purchase, 180 days technically. Um, now, what if I sell my property for $800,000, but I want to buy this beat up house for 400,000 but if I put 500,000 into it, it's going to be worth 1.5 million, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm selling for eight, I'm buying for four. You would think that wouldn't work, but you could do what's called an improvement um, 1031 exchange. So you would actually have, not to get too complicated into the weeds of this, but the 1031 exchange qualified intermediary would technically take title to that property, that $400,000 property. And then they would administer and disperse the funds that you receive from your $800,000 sale until you've exceeded that. And then they'll convert the title mm -hmm. back over to you. So a little complicated. You can also do a reverse. So if there's a scenario where, you know, that strip mall you've always had your eye on is going into foreclosure and you have to buy it in a week, you could actually buy it with your cash or with a bank that would be willing to lend in a really, really unique situation like this. There's very few banks that would, but would lend you the money to buy that would then give you six months to sell. So it would be the opposite of a normal 1031 exchange. So they'd give you six months to sell the one you want to sell, fund that, reverse it and take title to it. So I know that went a little bit beyond you know, where the, the conversation wanted to, but there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of opportunities out there for people who want to own real estate. Mm -hmm. I, I um, am so glad that I didn't buy it. Remember at the last place we were and the landlord was selling it and he asked me if, buy the I, unit. if I wanted to buy the strip mall and I was like, I'm all set. So glad I did that with the way that commercial is, but I'm sure, I mean, that could be something that we're going to see a whole lot more of commercial properties on the market, right? We are. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we just have a comment um, on Facebook. So Jasmine Glasgow is listening to us. She's from Maritime Mortgage. She said, such a great point. A lot of people think it has to be apples to apples. I just had a client swap a three family for two beach rentals in Florida. Yeah. So they're using them as investments, which- great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So I could do that if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So long as I'm not staying in them. I'll stay at the hotel. I have a lot of points now because I haven't been able to go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, all right. uh, Did you have a question? Yeah, just one quick question I had um, because I kept hearing you saying you're kicking it down the line and like deferring, basically deferring the taxes as you purchase additional investment properties. So what happens if like I have... I have to sell all of my investment properties. Am I paying the taxes on every single investment property that I've kind of deferred and kicked down the road or is it? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Really? So, so you're, like you said, you're not deferring, you're not actually um, just, I guess, taking over a new tax amount. It all kind of, it'll, it'll all, yeah, it'll continue to, to, to build. build. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So what if you're doing more like like for like, like if like or a little bit better, but it, let's say you're selling a $500,000 two family and you purchased a $525,000 two family. So is it the differential or you're doing the taxes at the end on both separately? So you're, you're, you're deferring, right? So you're just yeah. moving one tax obligation to the next. It's almost like, uh, you could end up in a negative, couldn't you? Uh, I, I'm doing that's it. why he's saying hold and die. <laughs> you know that that's one strategy is the swap to drop. But hopefully, you know you're buying in a in a way that you're yeah you're generating a lot of income over the periods of time as well, and you're getting the benefit of that capital, right? That's capital that you wouldn't otherwise have the benefit. And think about it zero interest rate, right? You're, you're, you're borrowing what you would have had to pay that day mm-hmm. at closing. So you, you can actually buy more and you, and, and not, um, not have to borrow more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Do we have another question on nope. Facebook? No. Okay. I thought that we did. Um, and you know, one of the things that you said earlier is that there is such a need for apartments right now too. So I, I think that it's it's sad. We I actually had a client who called me earlier who's like looking for someplace, you know. Um, so it's it's good, I guess, if people are buying. Like we saw somebody who recently purchased a big house and they wanted to make it a multifamily and things like that. I don't know if they'll ever be able to do that, uh, but we definitely need more of that. And then I just actually. Um, got on the committee for the affordable housing committee in Pembroke. So I'm really looking forward to that because I really do think that we just need more affordable housing. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So you need it. You need investors who are willing to develop and support those affordable mm-hmm. housing properties, right? Yeah. So you want to help incentivize them and give them, give them as much help as they can get so that you government can help all of the people that need the affordable housing. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a partnership. It's, it's basically a public private partnership by having the government defer the taxes so that you can use that capital mm-hmm. to profit. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Dustin, what other question, what was next on our list of questions or do you ladies have a question? Uh, before this next one, if we could just slightly regressing maybe filling some people who aren't exactly sure, you know, hundred percent what we're talking about, Mark, can you just explain what? <laughs> I'm no, not I mean, sure what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, our listeners are all over the place, but just what is, what are capital gains? So capital gains is the difference between your basis, right? The, the point you bought the property at to the point you sell it. So there's a Delta, hopefully you're selling it for significantly more than you bought it for, right? This all, goes out the window and is completely unnecessary if you're selling it for less 
than what you bought it for, right? You have a loss there. But that delta can be adjusted by depreciation, right? So when your basis price, you bought it for 250, as you depreciate that, that basis can go down from 250, which which takes you further away from your sale price, right? So you're creating a bigger tax obligation. One way for the basis to go up towards that as opposed to down is to do capital expenditures. So if you are to do a new roof or you are to uh, do new siding or redo all the kitchens, this and that, that cost, that amount expended goes against the basis. So you're 250 and I put, <clears throat> I put, <clears throat> excuse me, I put 50 into kitchens and baths. Now my basis is 300. So if I sell that for 400, the delta, the difference between the two is not 250 to 400, but it's 300 to 400. So it's, you're only looking at the 100,000, not taking depreciation into consideration, but your basis is the combination of purchase price, what capital expenditures, what improvements did you make to it versus <clears throat> versus what you have depreciated against it. And then the sale price is where it all falls in. So bought it for 250, put in 50,000 in kitchen and baths, you're at 300, but then you depreciated it by 20. So you're at a, a 280 basis point, basis, uh, basis. You have a $500,000 sale price. The difference between the 280 and the 500 is what you're exposed to for taxes. Now, let's call it $80,000, call it 100,000, whatever. I'm not an accountant, right? We already went over that. <laughs> but you can, <clears throat> instead of paying that $100,000 to the IRS, you take those proceeds and you reinvest them into real estate. And the government lets you do that and you don't have to pay that, call it $100,000 right then and there. But at some point in time, unless you die, you have to, you'll have to pay that tax. Hmm. We only have, uh, I think, less than 10 minutes left in the show, but um, we do have a comment from Susan Solis. She's a full-time realtor here at Boston Connect Real Estate. She <laughs> says that South Shore Habitat builds affordable housing, and she also wants to congratulate Sharon for joining the Pembroke Affordable Housing Trust. Oh, well, thank you, Susan. Susan is great. Uh, she's wonderful, and she's on a lot of uh, committees and things herself. Um, and I know that she recently did something. Maybe that was some other thing she was on. Sorry about that. But, um, you know, as I was sitting here thinking, I was like, should have we sold the multifamily in order to buy this building? Because at the end of the day, I'm really now buying property for Casey and Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, swap till you drop. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one is good. I mean, this will always. No, now you can sell the two family yeah. and buy another investment property. Yeah. Buy a three family. Okay. I'll, I'll work on family. that. I'll work on that. Okay, I, I want to rest a little bit. Thanks. Thank you, Mary. Um, <laughs> as I got it down. I'm, I'm a, I got the 1031 exchange. That's where I'm going. Yeah. Um, so I waited for this question until the, you know, as we're gearing down here and uh, before we wrap it all up in a nice little package and you give a synopsis of what we talked about tonight, um, what do you think the new administration is going to do um, with some tax deferrals and things like that. Do you think that there'll be changes and adjustments in that? Uh, well, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I have heard what they've said. I've heard, um, you know, leading up to the election and, and some of their hopes, uh, one of them was to increase the capital gains tax. 
-hmm. So if we're looking at a 20% federal right now, they were looking at increasing that. And that's for both commercial, well, investment property and private. Yeah, it's cap, it's capital gains, so it could be okay. stocks, bonds, any any capital gain that you have. They were looking to increase that, and, it, and it's obviously it takes, you know, the the full body of Congress to to make these sweeping changes. Um, they were going to eliminate or or um, increase the state tax, so there would be a, a tax associated with that. But they have talked about eliminating um, the 1031 exchange. Which would be a shame because it is, it is beneficial to the government and to the citizens of the government, not just the capitalistic real estate investors who are who are you know providing housing for these these folks. So they have talked about it. I, I mean, I hope they don't. It's been around for a very long time and it's it's worked. So it would be a shame to see it go. I just wonder too is if you know they think about you know the scale down here where we are or are they thinking about larger scales like you know whoever owns the Empire State Building and buying you know this you know you know what I mean an like a, a, yeah an island whatever yeah. you know um, just as so long as it's better than the Empire State Building but you know what I mean like I wonder if that's where their mindset is versus you know how we're looking at it sort of on a hyper local level of you know a two family or three family just to give people apartments. I mean, it's if they, you know, the folks in private equity in Wall Street who are buying portfolios of hotels and office buildings, they're using the same regulations that the person who has the two families buying the four family. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, it, in fairness and equity, if they're going to eliminate it, it's it's up and down the food chain. Yeah. All right. Well, um, did anybody else have any questions before we no, ask? My big one. That was I learned it. a lot. I, took I a did lot too. Of notes. Yeah, we we scrupulous notes. I have a question. Yeah. Dustin, how's the South End doing? How's the city dealing with this? And are we seeing some price fluctuations going on? Are we starting to see people fleeing the city? Or are they starting to come back? Or what's the deal there? It's quiet. It's really quiet. It's it's interesting because you you know the perception of like everyone's leaving this. It's you know not a mad rush to get out of here. It's it's still Boston. It's still obviously a sought out neighborhood, but it's you know it's getting a, a little more average. You're seeing prices dropping a little bit. Things that are on the market a little longer. Buyers with a little more power. But again, in the grand scheme of things, you know the sellers are still in control. Mm -hmm. Things are still oh, going up. The absorption rate uh, statistic that you gave us a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was. I mean, almost you know polar opposite of the South Shore where the last four or five years has been up close to 100%, maybe in the 90s, 70s. And I, again, don't hold me to this, but now it's maybe down 25, 30, mm -hmm. not too high off what, you know, the national average would be. So it's as, and I guess that's the thing, it's as close as it will ever be to being a buyer's market. But given the circumstances, I just doubt it ever gets there. In yeah. the city, in the condo market, right? Yeah, because yeah. he did um, the condo market South End. He did this two weeks ago, and I think the absorption rate was, I think he said it was like 97% yeah. this time last year. It's nothing on the market. And then it dropped down to 26%, same time frame that he mm -hmm. was looking at when he was doing his absorption rate. So, and I know visiting, you see the signs popping up all over yeah. the place. But. I haven't really seen the prices drop too much out there, though. And I think that no. that's because the people who were flocking there paid so much to be there a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And now they have to keep those prices high. Yeah, and I, my, my guess is a lot of the people who who can afford to buy here 
can afford to be elsewhere without selling immediately. They do not need a home sale contingency and they have, I guess, the right to be a little more stingy with how they want to, you know, make adjustments to the price or what they're asking for. Yep. So we have a couple minutes left here. And how about Mark, if you could sort of wrap up, you know, all of our final thoughts for our final seconds here, and then make sure we have enough time to give your number and how people can get in touch with you in your awesome office. And again, um, I am not kidding you. I, I really can't thank you enough for um, one, the kindness and friendship that you and all of your attorneys and your staff um, give towards Boston Connect Real Estate because it makes our teams here uh, feel a lot more secure and um, like a benefit to our clients. When we introduce our clients to you, I know they're in good hands. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your trust and loyalty to our team for as many years as we've been working together. Um, it's very important, you know, communication is is ideal and, you know, like-mindedness and, you know, let's not fight, let's be proactive, let's figure things out. Um, to wrap up, 1031 Exchange is a great tool for a real estate investor who wants to continue in the real estate business. Um, and hopefully it's here to stay for a long, long period of time, but you definitely need a team around you, real estate professionals like Boston Connect, obviously, real estate attorneys, but, you're gonna need the assistance of your CPA, your your tax consultant, right? I'm not a tax attorney. You know, you heard me stumbling through some of the, the taxi stuff uh, in this, but also your financial advisor is so very important in these scenarios. I mean, you are a business owner. If you're a real estate owner, uh, you are running a business. And, and with that, you need the, the, the professional advice of all of these these various professionals. Uh, for us, Sharon, thank you for uh, having me on the show and thank you for allowing us to plug our, our team. Uh, we really enjoy uh, working together and, and taking care of people in their life-changing moments, but we can always be reached at our phone at 781-319-1900. And we encourage folks to go to our YouTube uh, page where we have over a hundred videos that talk about various things that your listeners and your clients would need to hear about, including I just sent Dustin a, an old one from a couple of years ago on 1031 exchanges. Would you be surprised? We did a, a quick video on those. So uh, on YouTube at uh, at Styles Law, really easy to find. And, and we're always looking for uh, um, new content. If anyone has questions or they want something, we'll be happy to put it together. Perfect. Thank you. And you can get in touch with us at bostonconnect.com. And I think that's the end. We'll see you. Bye, Mark. Thank you so much.